I'm Larissa, and I want to help you find the best strategy for communicating the magic and wonder of your jewelry brand so you can thrive by doing what you love and filling the world with beauty and creativity. Welcome to the Joy Joya Jewelry Marketing Podcast. Hi. I'm your host, Larissa Worstiuk. On this podcast, I explore topics in digital marketing for jewelry designers and retailers, including branding, content, email, events, social media, and more. This is episode 62, and today I'll be sharing my interview with Cheryl Freund, a Los Angeles-based jewelry designer and the founder of CJF Jewelry. Since graduating from college with an art degree in 2011, Cheryl has worked as an in-house designer for high-end jewelry manufacturers, but her need to express her individuality ultimately drove her to create her own jewelry line, which she officially launched in October 2019. Cheryl also happens to be my friend and I love chatting with her about the jewelry industry. In this episode, we focus mostly on Cheryl's experience with experiential marketing since she planned and executed a brand launch party for CJF. Some other topics include the things that inspired her to create her own jewelry brand and the initial steps she took to make that happen, the biggest challenges she has faced and what she has done to overcome them, the advantages of using Shopify for her e-commerce business model, the differences between selling at in-person events and online, and more. Without further ado, let's jump into my interview with Cheryl. And please note that we actually recorded this interview in November 2019, shortly after her party took place. What inspired you to create your own jewelry brand? And what steps did you take to prepare yourself and your designs before you requested those first samples from the manufacturer? How long did that whole process take for you? So many questions in a row. Wow. Um, <laughs> well, how did it all start? You know, I really thought that it was time that I did this for myself. I studied jewelry in college and... Before I was in college, I was always very artistic. And so when I when I had to choose my major, I kind of fell into jewelry, but it was a great decision and I never really looked back. I learned how to make art jewelry. I did not study at GIA or any kind of program like that where they teach you, you know, more business type things. I learned more of the art and different processes, different bench processes and computer-aided design. So I went into the jewelry industry with very little um, commercial knowledge, but I started working at jewelry manufacturers and people would ask me, you know, where can we buy your jewelry? And I'd wear a few pieces that I'd made. And I say, Oh, I don't have a website. I don't, I work for someone else, mm -hmm. work for a manufacturer. And, you know, I don't really have a place where you can buy my pieces. But in the back of my mind, I always wanted to start my own company, but I was very cautious about doing this. My parents, had their own business and my grandparents started that business and it was retail based. And I was not about to jump into that. I knew, you know, all the different hats you have to wear and the hours and, you know, all the different logistical 
layers to running a business. So I was very cautious, but I felt like it was something I needed to do for myself. I owed it to myself to try. And I was at a point where I felt like I had enough savings that I could invest in, you know, whatever it took to get my business off the ground. Or at the beginning of this year, I decided I was actually going to do it. And I have a funny story. <laughs> so I was watching this reality TV show. It's called Terrace House. It's on Netflix. It's set in Japan. Mm-hmm. And that was really what inspired me to just, you know, kick myself in the butt and do this thing because the Japanese are very, you know, focused on their own thing. And if you're not doing your calling, you know, something's wrong with you and you need to be passionate about your work, whatever it is, you know, you don't have to be artistic. You don't have to be a performer, but you should love what you're doing. So that really inspired me. And I thank the Japanese people for being who they are. And that is what, you know, made me actually get started. I'd had a collection sketched out for quite some time and I just didn't have, you know, the, I didn't have the courage to do it for myself, but just made myself do it. And, um, so I started building the 3D models of my sketches. And when I started doing that, more designs started flowing out of me. And that was so exciting because working at a commercial jewelry manufacturer, you don't get to express yourself in that sort of way. But when I was in high school and in college, I was so creative and I felt that same kind of energy again. So that was really exciting and fun. And I just kept designing, kept creating different styles. And I got to a point where I had about 40 models and um, I cut it down to 20 of the most saleable pieces and I was um, had a relationship with a manufacturer, and I ended up making a successful business proposal. To get back to your question of how long did the process take, I'd say from the point of time where I was turning my sketches into models and talking to the manufacturer, that was about four months, and then it took about two months until I received my first samples. Mm -hmm. So six months. (laughs) That seems really quick. Do you find that that's typical? Did it seem uh, rushed to you or did it seem like a good timeline for what you wanted to achieve? Well, if I had been more um, confident in myself and had spoken to the manufacturer in advance, perhaps I could have done it faster. Uh, Uh, Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't seem fast to me, but I have experience in the industry and, you know, I didn't have a learning curve and I was creating my own models. So I didn't have to rely on someone else to do that part for me. And 
And it seems, I mean, also, I know that you had these ideas in your head for a long time. So probably by the point you, you know, went and moved forward with it, it, it already seemed like you knew exactly what you wanted to do also. Yeah, that's true. Kind of just to satisfy my own curiosity, going back to what you were saying about about your school background and studying art jewelry, do you find that like, do you have any regrets about about following that path? Would you have rather studied more like commercial production or do you like how it worked out for you? I'm really happy with um, my education. I think that the whole comprehensive university degree, I went to Temple University Tyler School of Art. I studied art history, many kinds of different art history. I had the whole, you know, math, science, English, those kinds of studies and all kinds of art. You know, I studied ceramics and um, painting and drawing and figure drawing and all that sort of stuff. So it really helps with my whole um, point of view. And I think, you know, studying history and architecture, that sort of stuff, I am so passionate about and I love it so much. So I'm really grateful for that whole comprehensive education. Awesome. So what were some of the biggest challenges that you would say you've faced up to this point and what steps have you taken to overcome them? At all the business aspects, which is the majority of having a business, uh, were all unknown to me. A friend of mine who has her own jewelry company, she, she recommended I check out uh, SCORE mentoring, mm-hmm. business mentoring, and I thought I might give it a try. And I've spoken to a few mentors there and gotten some good tips from those people. That's a really affordable, I don't know, organization that offers pretty much free business mentoring from experts and people that are passionate about, you know, helping newbies. And then, you know, forming a business entity, that was a whole thing. I didn't know what I wanted to be, you know, what else? Um, Building a website. I have a Shopify website that's um, took a little bit of a learning curve to understand how to make it the way I wanted, forming what I ended up doing in LLC and taxes and staying compliant and everything like that. And then Another thing that I don't do myself is the photography of my jewelry. And luckily, my husband, Matt, is a great photographer, and he's taking care of all of that for me. So I've just asked everyone that I know, my parents, my in-laws, for any kind of advice, everyone I know. And everyone has something, some little tip to share with you. So, you know, it's best to just talk to everyone, you know, about things you don't know. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it's amazing that you have all those resources. And I met you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You've been such a great help. So (laughs) that was, you know, purely coincidental. So that was great. Thank you, Jordan. It worked out very well. Do you want to tell our listeners the background story of that? Sure. Um, Larissa and I met in March, early March. Um, 
my husband and her boyfriend went to college together and I got to meet Larissa for the first time and and her boyfriend, my husband's friend, Jordan, he said, oh, I think she does something with jewelry. And I just got so giddy. And I was just like, wow, this is exciting. I have a person. (laughs) Yeah, Jordan didn't tell me anything about you until like an hour before we were meeting and I was like oh what is so what does uh Cheryl do and he's like oh she's a jewelry designer and I was like wait what how come you didn't tell me this (laughs) yeah man what can I say (laughs) it worked out out well (laughs) (laughs) yeah very well thank you (laughs) yeah you world so what exactly is your business model for selling your jewelry are you direct to consumer are you doing this um on shopify or in person and why did you end up deciding on this particular model the internet is always open it's always there the sun is shining somewhere in the world and someone is browsing the internet for jewelry so (laughs) (laughs) that's where i set up shop there's something to be said for brick and mortar but I don't have the funds to invest in that kind of location. So a website was the way to go for me for now. And yes, I, as I mentioned before, I have a Shopify website. Um, a few friends recommended that to me for e-commerce. And uh, it's been fairly user-friendly, but... It requires a little bit of technological understanding um, and you have to have an eye for how to make an attractive website. But I did decide to have an in-person event. I had my brand release party, not last weekend, but the previous weekend, and when I listened to your experiential marketing episode, I was really inspired to have a party of my own. And my friend had had a um, my friend had had a record release party, and I just wanted to have a party myself. And at first, I thought maybe it would be sort of a focus group, but then it just turned into a party. And um, <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm. My goal is to mainly sell on my website, but since I just launched my website about a month ago, most of my sales have been to family and friends. And um, Shopify, I think, will be good because they take care of credit card processing and uh, they help you out with shipping. And their customer service is really great. I had a phone call with one of their people and I barely had to wait. And then this charming Canadian man picked up the line and he gave me some tips on social media and it was a great experience. So this is not a paid promotion. Are you sure you're not a show? <laughs> no, I really had a good experience with them on the phone. So if you want to sell something on the internet, I recommend Shopify. Mm-hmm. That's a great endorsement. <laughs> I mean, yes, I always recommend Shopify to my clients too. I think it's like the best plug and play e-commerce solution. Yeah, it's it's been pretty good. And I and people say, oh, your website looks nice. So, okay, good. Excellent. So I really want to spend some time focusing on 
your experience of experiential marketing. And uh, I want to know more about the process of planning that party, if you could describe it, and if you had any event planning experience, and what resources did you use to put that event together? The whole reason that I wanted to have this party is to share this creation with my family and friends, and I wanted them to come to my home and see my jewelry, and I was going to have, you know, kind of a for lack of a better word, kind of a craft show setup. I had a jewelry display table and I just wanted them to come see and touch and try on everything. And if they wanted to buy, I was ready for that. And um, so the goal was to just have a fun um, environment where people could uh, meet up and talk to their friends they haven't seen in a long time and see some pretty jewelry and talk to me if I haven't seen them in maybe a few years and just uh, start to build a relationship because my closest family and friends, they know I've been working in jewelry and they know that I've been working for other people, but I haven't had my own business. So I wanted to introduce myself in that form to them, to my closest supporters. That makes a lot of sense. And then as for how did I plan the event? Well, I had my jewelry. I had ordered jewelry, my samples to shoot photographs of. So my business model is for now is everything's made to order. But since I had two of each of my styles, um, I had a good size inventory And I was hoping to get a little bit of a return on my investment. So I wanted to sell a little bit. And um, I just wanted to display it in a good way. And then I had all the other things, you know, you want to have at a party, food, wine, snacks, music. And um, yeah, so that's what I did. I As for a previous event planning experience, I planned my wedding about four years ago, Mm -hmm. and this was nothing like that, but um, it did help, and I loved planning my wedding, so that was, it was nice to get into a little bit of that again. And And also, um, it gave you a great opportunity to take pictures for social media, too, and have other people take pictures for you. Yes, yeah, I wanted to... um, have people post online. So I had my hashtag, which you and I had discussed having a a brand hashtag. And I just went with hashtag CJF. Mm -hmm. And um, how did you end up attracting guests to the event? Did you offer any special incentives to have them come or to make the experience even better for them while they were there? I sent out an invite to my friends and family. I over-invited. I invited people that I knew wouldn't be able to come, but I just wanted to let, you know, everyone know that I was starting my own business. And for the people that were local to me, I let them know that I had jewelry available to sell. I was going to be offering them at a discounted rate. So there was that. And then I also decided to have a giveaway and I designed a special necklace, a special pendant, and one lucky party attendee would be winning this necklace. 
So in exchange for an entry, you had to um, give me your email address for my mailing list. And that really helped me build up my mailing list. And at the end of the party, I drew a winner. So that was really exciting. And um, one friend of a friend got to go home with this pretty little pendant. So that was great. So it may be too soon for you to have an opinion on this, but how did you feel that selling your jewelry at this event differed from selling on your Shopify store? People do respond to seeing things in person, even if most of the people at the party didn't buy anything, they saw other people buying. I started a relationship with them, with the people that attended the party, and they'll think of me when they want to treat themselves or buy a gift for a loved one. So that really breaks down the barrier of possibly being hesitant to buy online without really seeing, touching, or trying on the jewelry first. The party, I think, really was a worthwhile investment. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad then that you did it because it seems like it really worked out well. Yeah, I think so. So do you think you'll be hosting more events in the future? And um, what do you see as the benefits and drawbacks of hosting this type of event? So I probably won't host another party at my home, but I could see doing like a maker fair, craft fair, or a pop-up in a boutique um, in the future. I have my whole display created, which I worked pretty hard on, and um It would be nice to use that again. The benefit to doing more in-person events is to continue to create and start relationships with new people so that when they are ready to buy online, they know me and it's the relationship is established. So the only problem with the in-person events with my business model where everything's made to order, I'll just have to guess on what I think people want to buy. And um, that takes time to learn. But I did learn a little bit about my customer from my brand release party. What do you think you would do differently at future events? I'm pretty happy with how the party went. So I would try to recreate that setup as much as possible. I used the Shopify point of sale credit card reader that made purchases really easy. Um, That's a piece of hardware you get for free with a Shopify subscription. I had gift boxes meticulously prepared with tissue paper and my logo stamped on top, which I made by hand. I had a finger gauge and a ring mandrel to size people. I had mirrors set up. I had nice overhead lighting to make my jewelry sparkle. I knew my product. I was pretty well prepared, so... As for doing something different, maybe promote more online in advance, Mm -hmm. invite the public, which I did not do for the launch party. What do you think would be some good channels for you to do that promotion, like methods or ways that you would reach people? Well, if I did um, a sort of fair, I think that people that know about that kind of event they would seek it out and they go to support those kinds of uh, events they would promote for you. So that would be good. I don't know. I don't know what other ways 
I would, what other channels I would promote on that I don't already, but hopefully my name gets out there more on the internet and I have more of a following. Definitely. Well, I think you should do more events. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Cheryl did an awesome event. She put so much time and effort into planning it. And the cool thing about the event was that all the details were so on brand. Like, for example, she went to the flower market in Los Angeles and chose flowers that represented her brand colors and made arrangements. She had like cupcakes custom made as snacks and the icing was done in her brand colors. Um, What are some other examples of of ways that you embodied your brand? Hmm. I made those uh, selfie station props with my logo and my hashtag. Yeah, and the backdrop was like in that um, iridescent color, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, yeah. iridescent backdrop. Everything was iridescent that I could find. (laughs) Yeah, so all the details, it was neat how she made everything cohesive. And I think that works especially well for social media because if people are taking pictures, which you hope they are, and they're sharing with your hashtag, then no matter where they are at your party, no matter what's around them, whether they're eating a cupcake or at the selfie station, like your brand is being reinforced through that. And I think that that's really smart. Thanks. Yeah. So one of the advantages of having this party was having the chance to take really great photographs and and your husband was there as the official photographer, but also people there were taking pictures of themselves and each other with the jewelry. So what would you say is the result of that? What types of assets were you able to get in terms of photography and how are you repurposing them? Well, I think that showing, you know, a bunch of people in front of a jewelry table that I'm standing behind and you know, I'm selling and we're having a good time and everyone's uh, smiling. I think that that just is great social proof. Is that the right word? Yeah, social proof. <laughs> yeah. I think that is all amazing social proof and it shows that, you know, I'm a real person and I'm legitimate and people can trust me and all that good stuff. I'll be sprinkling all the photos throughout my Instagram feed and my Facebook page to, you know, throw back to this special event that I had. And, you know, the people that couldn't make it makes them a little upset. They missed such a cool party. So Mm -hmm. envy. (laughs) Those are all really great points. The fact that you're kind of creating this like fear of missing out so that now people will look forward to seeing you at other places and they'll want to be on your email list to like be up to date on when you're when you'll be at other events and stuff. So you mentioned at the party that you had the door prize and the way to enter was for people to give their email addresses. What do you see yourself as the benefits of getting those email addresses and then engaging them in email marketing? And what are some ways you think you'll continue to follow up with those customers after the fact? So after listening to your podcast today with uh, Kathleen, was that her name? Yeah, Kathleen. It made me think, yes, I need to follow up with everyone that purchased at the party 
So there's that. And I have um, everyone's email address because everyone wanted to enter as uh, to get to potentially win the necklace. So I have, you know, if I didn't invite every guest directly, if a friend brought, you know, their friends, I have a way to reach out to everyone and I can maintain a relationship with all of the customers that bought jewelry. Do you have any advice that you would give other emerging jewelry designers that are maybe thinking about having a launch party or their first pop-up or trunk show? Any like encouragement or tips that you could share with them? I would advise to not invest in too much product because you don't want to tie up your money in something you're not sure people are going to really like. So it's one thing to order one of everything and hopefully everything is not a hundred styles, but, uh, you know, you need photographs. You have to have that. Right. I would advise to be careful with how much product you create until you really know your customer and then you can order for stock and have it a true inventory but that won't be till way down the line. It's not really about a launch party, but it is, you know, a good tip for emerging uh, jewelry businesses. I think that's really smart advice. And then if you want to have a brand launch party, you should really think about what your brand represents and what, you know, feeling you want to portray and how you want guests to feel when they're at your party because it's basically a a pop-up it's like a pop-up retail location and you want it to feel legitimate you know so you need to consider a lot of different things lighting display packaging all that sort of stuff Yeah. And also in this day and age, when so many people are shopping online, one reason that someone won't shop online is because they want a full experience. Like you're not going to get a full experience on the internet. So if someone's choosing to go to an in-person retail event or retail store, it's because they want to feel something that they're not going to get from a website. So if you're not providing that to them, like you said, then why would that person choose to buy from you? Right. Unless they know you personally. Unless you're like, "Mm, buy this for me. You know me. (laughs) Yeah. So creating that sense of feeling for them and a a mood and an overall like selling a lifestyle to them, I think is the most important thing you can do in in an in-person retail situation. Yeah. And you just want them to feel comfortable and trust you and trust. They want to know that they can trust you with their credit card information and all that. Absolutely. It's no small, no small favor that anyone's doing. You know, they're really committing to you. They're investing in you and they're trusting you and no, no business owner should take that for granted. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for being on my podcast. It was awesome to chat with you, even though I see you all the time. <laughs> and, um, to hear more about your event, which I really enjoyed attending, and um, for sharing your knowledge with our listeners. Thank you for having me, Larissa.
It was such a treat to be able to talk to Cheryl and hear more about her personal experience with experiential or event marketing. Be sure to visit her website, cjfjewelry.com. That's C-E-E-J-A-Y-E-F-F jewelry.com to view her products and follow her on Instagram at cjf underscore jewelry. That's at C-E-E-J-A-Y-E-F-F underscore jewelry. Thanks so much. I look forward to sharing more interviews with you in the future. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information about marketing services for your jewelry brand, visit joyjoya.com where you can download our free ebook, Proven Conversion Strategies for E-Commerce Jewelry Retailers.